You're listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Schneider. She dares the devil is in front. Swiss Skydiver runs at her. Gamina's going to be third. She dares the devil. Swiss Skydiver. She dares the devil. And a huge upset. Brandon Jaggers. A free road home for Interstate Daydream. In front by two and a half, Adair Manor giving all second, but second best to Interstate Daydream. In the Black Eyed Susan. And me, CC Broadus. Mr. Misunderstood comes away with the lead. Admission off is far outside. Bella's boys there. Here's the wire. Mr. Misunderstood. Up in time to do it. and welcome to episode number 134 of the Auxiliary Gate podcast. This is Monday evening, February the 20th of 2023. I'm CC Broadus and joining me as always is Mr. Alan Schneider. Alan, how are you doing? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm, I pretty much am here with you always, Aina. I think I've missed one or two. Think, how many have I missed over the years? I think that's right. I've missed, I've missed one. You've missed one. And, uh, Yeah, Brandon's missed 101 of our 134, (laughs) but apparently he's going to join us later. That's wonderful. Yeah, so excited to uh, catch up with Mr. Jaggers. But uh, uh, before we get to all that, we do have some uh, items to clear out. Uh, We want to point out that this podcast is uh, is basically what we call a a springboard to better things. Last weekend or last week, we had um, Farron Peterson on, uh, Dr. Jockey, uh, the, the vet who, who's also a jockey on the side and a gymnast and a missionary and all other kinds of things. And an agent. I'm going to start calling her Slash. That's what my nickname for Farron's be Slash. Yeah. Agent Slash, veterinarian Slash, uh, missionary Slash, athlete. So I'm going to start calling her Slash. Slash Peterson. So mm-hmm. she, uh, she, was it Wednesday night? Wednesday night, she led off the card with a win, right? Yeah, it got me. Got me going on a big roll and stuff, too, so I appreciated that, and it was wonderful seeing her win. It was a perfect, absolutely perfect ride, too, wasn't it? Yep, absolutely. And then, uh, of course, uh, uh, previous guest, Lynn Cash, won the General George Stakes at Laurel Grade, I think it's Grade 3, with Eastern Bay. So the, that mm. barn has been on quite the roll. Oh, really? Yeah. So since, let me ask you something real quick. Since, you, he's, been on, since he's been on the podcast, he's been yeah, on Yeah, are you taking credit for all of our guests' success? Are you I saying think, that their hard work and determination has nothing to do with it, and it's simply because they were on this, and that's that's the key ingredient? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think you're right. I think okay. you're right. I think, I think you're on to something. Okay. I like to think that their, their hard work and hustle had a little something to do with it, but hey, you know, whatever puts you in a winner's circle, man. I also saw that uh, the uh, Billy Denzik's crew won a race. I think it was at Fairgrounds today. So oh, good. Yeah, congratulations to them. So yeah, and, and he was on our podcast way maybe a year and a half ago, something like that. But was that Jeff Howes? Was Jeff Howes trained the no, horse? No, was Jeff. Yeah, that's, no, it was uh, Tom Amos, who's also Tom. been pod. Yes. Yeah, it's hard to keep track. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Springboard to success. Remember that next time we come calling. Let me ask you something real quick before we get into whatever else you have to cover, because. No surprise, we don't script this. Um, of all the, we've had tons of guests on and loved every one of them, nearly every one of them. Um, I can't think of anybody that we didn't. Is there anybody that we haven't had on and we haven't discussed this yet uh, that you would like to have on that's fairly reasonable, whether it be in horse racing or outside horse racing or both? Is there someone on your wish list that's within reason? Dan Issel. I think we could do that probably. Tom Proctor. Tom Proctor, that's a great, great one. I'm going to work on getting Mike Bell. Uh, Mike Dirk Bell, as Indian Charlie likes to refer to him. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Uh, I've I got an inside track on another one that I'm interested in. Uh, I won't say his name, but uh, we got a shot at, a, at an assistant trainer that just retired. But uh, we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll tell you about that off, off air, okay. but uh, one I'd be very interested in. 95% of the people we ask actually come on, they're happy to. Every once in a while, you know, uh, schedules conflict and this and that, but uh, we get an idea who we like to have on. Everybody's usually wonderful to uh, to come on. Uh, anybody else? Brad Cox. We, we had Brad Cox lined up 
two years ago, and our 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 buddy dropped the ball, yeah. canceled. You know, I was thinking horse racing wise. I I can't think of anybody horse racing wise, but it's, it's horse racing related. I'd like to have Scotty Davenport, the Bellarmine coach. And I think I'm going to try to, he's a big horse racing fan. Those people don't know Bellarmine's a local school. De- Scotty Davenport is an amazing coach. It's an amazing job there. He's also a big horse racing guy. So I'd like to have Scotty Davenport on. I think he'd be wonderful. And I said outside of horse racing too. I'm thinking Susanna Hoffs from the Bengals. I'd like to have, I, I, I wonder if I could get that knocked out. What do you think? Would you like to have her on? You said knocked out. Uh, I, I didn't missed. say that. I'm not going to be that so, presumptuous. Oh, but I was just thinking, I was like, she'd be cool. So there was somebody else I had in mind like that too, but Bobby Flay. Eh, really? I mean, I, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna turn anybody down. Well, I might turn somebody down, but he, uh, he won a Breeders' Cup race two years, right? Yeah, two yeah. years. Anybody, anybody else? I mean, like I said, these are reasonable. Outside of Susanna Hoffs, these are fairly reasonable. About time that Donna Brothers, Donna was just fantastic. We, we, she's one of our first guests. We couldn't have thanked her more. Maybe it's time to get her back on. I'm all for it. Okay. Now, just a little sidebar, but we, I, I made some notes there. I made some notes. Uh, let's talk about some horse racing uh, over the weekend. Big day racing at fairgrounds. Angel of Empire won the Risen Star Stakes. Uh, did you did you see the race? Um, well, actually, I was out, and I, I know who won the race, and I saw the stretch run. I was on my little phone. We was out running around all evening. So, so I just rewatch it, and it's funny you asked me, did I see the race? Because did anybody see the race? I mean, it was dark as hell. Um, you know, I, I love the fairgrounds. I was like, can't you run that race like a half hour earlier? <laughs> right. uh, hats off to John Dooley for being able to call that without a blip, man. He never took a took a breath. I didn't know what the hell was going on. But, uh, you know, I thought I thought Angel of Empire was, was a great win. I thought, as usual, Ken McPeak came up with a big effort. Two fills is just a hard-knocking – Tough horse who's going to make his way into Derby, I believe, and he will have a shot. So, um, yeah, that was a fun race. I thought victory formation was easily a horse you go against. Um, I did not pick the winner. I went with Tappet's Conquest, but uh, I'm not surprised by the uh, the horses that came in and the money. Yeah, Angel of Empire earned an 87 buyer. That's not a, an eye-opener by any stretch. So uh, we're going to have to see some improvement, which yeah. is absolutely possible. I mean – Horse, horse won at nine furlongs. Yeah. Yeah, you know, he's just going to have to run. You know, you're thinking in terms of Kentucky Derby, just that's one furlong more. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's possible. Uh, and, you know, you used the word springboard earlier. It's the word of the week. Uh, Louisiana Fairgrounds has been a, a big springboard to huge triple crown success of late, right? So there's no reason those horses can't step up. Uh, any of the top, I'd say any of the top four, Tappet's Conquest ran fourth could, two fills could. Uh, I mean, we'll we'll find out. Again, hats off to John Dooley. Did you could you could you see that race? No. If you didn't have the audio. Would you have known what was going on? Well, you had 14 horses too, which made it yeah. doubly tough. So yeah, there was a lot of action going on too. And uh, tip of the cap to John Dooley. Yeah, absolutely. And Joe Christofek didn't Joe Christofek pick the winner? Christofek picked that horse. He might have had the exacted, didn't he? I don't know. I could have. I'm sure he did. Should have texted him and find, found out. But uh, yeah, that, hats off to him. For, Great call. Great uh, call. Undercard, the Rachel Alexandra was one but pretty mischievous, but that race was marked by the uh, non-effort, basically, from Hoosier Philly, who was the buzz horse of the winner, I would say, at Fairgrounds. I mean, this this Philly went off 11 to 1, fourth choice in the Kentucky Derby Future Wager, and I think she was sent off 1 to 5 here, and they were talking about maybe going to Louisiana Derby off of this effort. And she bobbled at the break and didn't get a really good trip. And boy, she did not. She just didn't. She didn't pan. Or she she was flat on this day. So uh, thoughts on uh, thoughts on that one. And, and of course, the winner pretty mischievous from the Brendan Walsh barn and yes. Dolphin. Another pass guest. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Tyler. Uh, yeah. I, I have I do have some thoughts there, and it's a little bit different take than most people do. Right? And again, well, God, I hate using the word take. I hate using the phrase hot take. But uh, my viewpoint is, number one, whenever a, a horse gets upset who's a heavy favorite, everybody focuses on him, the horse that got beat, and automatically dismisses the winner. You know, I mean, everybody does that every time. It's like, what was wrong with the favorite? 
we can't just applaud the horse. What about pretty mischievous winning the race? The horse, admittedly, I was not that crazy about over the winter and going last fall back to church, but the horse has progressed in fairground. Why do people do that? Everyone focuses on the on the horse that lost and not the ones that won. Maybe we were just wrong and or the majority of people were just wrong and maybe they just overlooked the race. But, you know, we, we do have a tendency to do that. Second point I would make is, yes, Hoosier Philly was one pace. It was a bit, a bit of a disappointing effort. But nobody's mentioned the fact that, what about Chop Chop? I mean, Chop Chop was three to one. Chop Chop was the now horse last fall. We have a tendency to forget about that, right? He was the horse was going to beat uh, after the big uh, runner-up effort in the, the Keeneland uh, Philly race. Uh, was the horse to beat in the Breeders' Cup. Juno favorite, didn't run very well there. Came back this year, was kind of flat to the boards. A little bit in the in the um, prep race for the Rachel Alexander and Chop Chop didn't run a step. I mean, we talk about what Hoosier Philly did, but she, she Hoosier Philly did dominate Chop Chop. I don't Chop Chop might have run last. I don't know. So you know that that that's that's one of the uh, the cruxes of in a race with a heavy favorite. People have a tendency to forget about what else happens in the race. So yes, Hoosier Philly was a bit flat, but hats off to the winner. And again, no one's mentioning Chop Chop stud. On the undercard, there was two. There's a sprint, maiden special way sprint, and a two turn allowance race. Bishop's Bay won the sprint. Brad Cox's debut runner ran a 97 buyer. I think it's a little too late for, for derby contention for, for a horse like this. But the other runner, Dennington, is a son of gun runner trained by Ken McPeak. This horse ran a 91. I think this horse might have a little in the tank. They thought a lot of, I know they thought a lot of the, this horse last fall and it never did really pan out. And yeah. they tried stakes already early this year. And now they've dropped back to this allowance race and he, and he ran well and he, he ran down the, the leaders. I don't think it was the toughest bunch, but he, he did get up to win. And I think this is a gun runner. So, you know, the, the, the potential is there. You know, I love me some McPeak. I mean, I've I've done well over the years betting McPeak in these type races. I did not play him there. I did think he had a big chance, and I thought it was a legit effort. It was a legit effort. It was a it was a perfect ride by Corey Lannery. It was a textbook ride. Um, I was not that of, of some of McPeak's runners last fall. He was not the one. It was at the top of my list. But again, from two to three, and vice versa, these horses. Sometimes they progress, sometimes they regress. We see it all the time. These horses go off one to five, two to five in their return races, and they don't live up to it. They have a, they, The other horses catch up. Dennington's a great example. I wasn't that thrilled with Dennington last year, but he was the best horse in that race. That was a legit stretch run he made. And, yeah, all of a sudden now he's on my radar. And, and, and I like that because I, I want to see McPeak do well because it usually means more money in my pocket when he gets on a roll. So that was a good effort. All right. Well, that covers the uh, Triple Crown Trail for this week. I'm just looking over the buyers right now. I'm trying to find that General George Eastern Bay around a 94 that's in the pretty, General George. Yeah, that's uh, the cash barns rolling. But uh, yeah, so uh, uh, we'll uh, we'll put an end to the uh, to the banter for now and uh, bring on our next guest and hopefully Brandon Jaggers will join us. And I know the the ladies out there are excited. To hear about that. I'm sure they are. Our guest this evening is what we consider to be racing immortality. His name will forever be connected to the winner of the 2020 Kentucky Oaks as he campaigned She Dares the Devil in partnership with other owners. If you watch racing on a regular basis, you'll recognize his silks, black with a giant white snowflake and a black and white checkerboard on the arms. He's no one-trick pony, campaigning other important stakes winners such as Mr. Misunderstood, Key of Life, and Interstate Daydream. I'm speaking of none other than Hot Springs, Arkansas native, State and Flurry. Mr. Flurry, how are you doing this evening? Doing good, doing good. Spent the day at Oaklawn, claimed a horse today, so it was a, a good, successful day. Well, I want to congratulate you. First, uh, you got to the winner's circle yesterday, I believe, with a horse named Lowe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's been a... A long, kind of difficult meet so far, a disappointing meet. Uh, I think we're two for 32 right now, and I feel like yesterday we might have turned the corner. Well, I'm fairly certain that uh, going to the winter circle at your hometown track never gets old, regardless of whatever type of race it was. 
No, uh, it was a maiden 10 yesterday, but it felt as good, honestly, as winning the Kentucky Oaks a few years ago. Because uh, It's home. The pressure's on me here. And uh, got a lot of friends and family that come out to watch. And when you're not running good, they uh, they start getting after you. Hey, you're costing us money. We're uh, we're wanting to get in the winter circle. All, all the pressure's on me here. So it, it felt good to finally get back in the winter circle. Did you get to keep the horse? No, uh lost him in a four-way shake yesterday. Oh wow. Okay. All right. Well, your stable's uh stable your numbers have grown uh, as I've seen the last uh maybe 6 7 months, is it, right? You you've you've gone out and been aggressive with with a lot yeah, of clients. Yeah. I I tried to claim a few for here at Oaklawn, but this year uh with Sheeter is a devil selling, that allowed me to go after quite a few more. So, I've got about 22 here right now at Oaklawn and Hopefully, when we leave here, we don't have near that many. But being here at home, I want to have a lot of action. Now, Brad Cox, I'm sure, is your main trainer. But you, you're involved with several other trainers, Carl Broberg, uh, Jonas Gibson, Bill Spar, Cipriano Contreras, and, and I think Nevada Lipton. Jonas Gibson is the one I'm not familiar with. Tell us about uh, uh, Jonas. He's a buddy of mine from uh, Louisiana. He's uh, he's dabbled off and on in training last probably 10, 12 years. He was an assistant for uh, Asmussen for a while down there, and he took a little break, and when he came back, I told him I'd give him a couple of horses, and uh, we've had some fun together. We hadn't gotten the winter surf yet, but we have uh, feel like we've made a few good claims here lately. Okay. Well, good. Good. Going forward, that sounds like a, a good thing. Uh, tell us about how you got involved in, in horse racing. I know you're, uh, you are you grew up really close to the track. Yeah, I grew up about a half a mile from Oaklawn, and uh, my family owns – most of the parking lots around Oklahoma. So I grew up out there from about the time I had sense enough to not run in front of a car. So fell in love with it early on, had a bunch of owners and trainers that would park with us and asked me to come over and watch their horses or get in the winter circle with them. So I kind of got hooked early and I guess my senior year of college, I claimed my first horse. We won our second race and it's been kind of downhill ever since. (laughs) Uh, 501. Was that your first horse? No, no. Uh, I claimed a Philly name. Let's get fiscal. But, uh, I love that name. I'm 52. I love that name. I'm sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) Oh, 501 was my first stakes winner here at Oakland. And, uh, one of the more expensive Archie breads I've ever bought, but wasn't my first horse. Okay. But 501 was your first stakes winner. Yeah, first stakes winner here at Oakland. We had uh, won a couple yeah. others uh, around the country. Uh, just yeah, just with Brad, too. Yeah. Right? Brad yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. So I, I got to admit, I'm embarrassed to say this. I had totally forgotten you were involved with She Dares the Devil until I started looking up, uh, you know, re- researching your background and all that. Uh, t- tell us the story about uh, She Dares the Devil and how you went about acquiring her and, and, and the lead up going into the Kentucky Oaks. Yeah, uh, she was in the November horse racing age sale, and my bloodstock agent is Clay Share. His dad's a Merrill Share from down there in Louisiana. And Clay called me and said, hey, we really need to think about buying She Dares the Devil. And he went and looked at her several times, and Sheikh Bahad of Cutter Racing, his bloodstock agent was also looking at her, and uh, he had he owned a piece of her when she was in the sale. They were wanting to disband the partnership. And he had deals with everybody that really was hard on her. And he asked us, he said, if y'all get her, can we stay in? Like, Hell, I'd rather bid, against, bid with a sheet than against a sheet. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. That's really how that came about. Uh, we just loved her at the sale. And she grew and really matured once we got her down to New Orleans. We shipped her right there from uh, – from the sale, she started training really, really good. We brought her up here to Hot Springs and didn't get the greatest ride. Her first out was an allowance race. A horse went straight to the lead and going a mile and a 16th went like 22, 45. And uh, for some reason, we chased her a little bit earlier than we should. And we round up running second that race to um, one of Brad's other horses, uh, and the one that went on to win the, uh, I think she ran second in the Black Eyed Susan that year. I can't remember her name, but that kind of turned out to be a key race. Then after that, she came back really good. Brad said, let's throw her in the honeybee and see what happens. So we did. She won that. 
that gave us enough points to get in the Oaks. Then COVID hit and everything kind of got thrown into disarray. So they moved the fantasy back to May here at Oaklawn on the last day. We ran third and it behind Swiss Skydiver and uh, Venetian Harbor. So that just boosted our points total a little bit. Some funky written allowance race popped up at Churchill, and she just ran off, I think, by 12 or 14 links in that race. We said, let's take the easier out. Let's let all these other horses beat up on each other. So we decided let's go to Indiana Grand for the uh, Indiana Oaks. Went up there, won it. It was about an hour and a half ship. Got her right back to Churchill, let her chill out and work out there, and got her ready for the September Kentucky Oaks. And I think us ducking and dodging all those heavy hitters, let them beat up on each other up in New York and uh, California, helped us be a little bit more prepared for the Oaks than they were, a little more well-rested, I should say. And she loves Churchill Downs. And she turned the tables on Swiss Skydiver. Of course, Swiss Skydiver went on to win the Preakness. She did. She did. And she, and she beat the Derby winner, Authentic, there. And also Gamine, who, who went on to become a champion female sprinter. Yep, yep. That was uh, one of the most loaded oaks you may see in a long, long time. It was a smaller field, but it was as quality a field as you'll find. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about that. I, Bonnie South. Was the, the, the South, yep. beat you back at Oakland. So yeah, no shame to her. But, uh, she's, a, she's really turned into a nice one too. And uh, she dares the devil went on to win, uh, uh, looking at her PPs here. She did win two, two more grade ones. Yeah, we won the, uh, the, uh, La Troyenne. La Troyenne. I kept wanting to say the Florida Lee, but uh, we did win that also. But, uh, then the Clement Hirsch out at Delmore. Yeah, did you go? Did you go to Del Mar? Well, I did, man. I fell in love with Del Mar, and uh, actually had a string out there this past summer just because we went out that year and fell in love with it. Is that with Bill Spar? That uh, is, that is. Yeah, uh, okay, good deal. Well, yeah, yeah. Anytime you want to get out to some warm weather, that's a good place to go, right? First yeah. time I got on the plane to go out this past July, it was 114 here in Hot Springs, heat index, and got off the plane, it was 74 out there. So. Oh, <laughs> can't beat that. Now, I understand that the guy that uh, owns Qatar Racing, the Sheikh that owns Qatar, he, he's a younger guy too, right? Yes, he's a few years uh, older than me. I, I want to say he's about 36, 37, and uh, just down to earth. You would never know he was royalty or uh, anything. The first time I met him was at the Keeneland September sale last year, and he was walking around in a pair of basketball shorts, a T-shirt, and tennis shoes <laughs> and a hat. So it, it just, I, I yeah. think it's, it, it, he kind of a party animal. I can't say I've ever experienced that, but I'm, I'm sure he likes to have some fun. Okay. Well, if you ever get a chance to go on a yacht, I'd probably, I'd recommend it. Maybe take me along. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Mr. Misunderstood, that's another horse, uh, an interstate daydream. Mr. Misunderstood was a, uh, he won the, not the Wise Dan. He won uh, the River City at Churchill. Tell yeah, us he, did, he did win the uh, the Wise Dan. Oh, he did win the Wise Dan as well? Okay. He won, the wise he won everything Dan. here. He just yeah. won and won and won. He, he was a, a machine there for a little while. Just such a really classy turf horse. We tried him a few times on the dirt, and it just didn't work out. And uh, once we found that he really loved the grass, it was uh, almost unstoppable there for about a year, year and a half. Interstate Daydream, uh, the filly that won the Black Eyed Susan Stakes last year. Uh, is she close to making a comeback? Yeah, she'll be uh, back at the Azari March the 11th here at Oakland. And plans from there is the Apple Blossom and just kind of see how everything else shapes up. Uh, try to duck and dodge probably Ness this year. Maybe we'll go to the West Coast and let Ness stay on the East Coast. But uh, would you think the Apple, Bo- Apple Blossom might be a uh... – yeah, Apple Blossom's uh, pretty much circled in a Sharpie right now. Okay, good deal. All right, looking forward to that. Then uh, I know you've been active at the yearling sales. I saw I found three yearlings that you bought last last year at uh, Keeneland September. Really like uh, all three of those. We got a Justify Colt, a uh, Audible Colt that we really love, and a Constitution Colt that we're pretty high on also. So excited to get those going. Uh, I figured they'll 
two of them will probably head to Brad here in the next month and a half, two months. And uh, I think the justify is going to take a little while longer. He's just a little bit more immature than the other two, but they're down in Florida at Jimbo and Tory Gladwell's place. And knock on wood, they're training really well. Perfect. Okay. Well, yeah, good luck on those going forward. Then uh, I've got some more questions for you. I'm going to turn it uh, Who wants it next? Brandon or Alan? You, you, you got any I'll questions go. for, for I'll Mr. Flirt? I'll hit you up. You ready there, really. Staten? Yep, I'm ready. Bring it on. Okay, so this is what I would call a rhetorical question. I like asking the questions where I already know the answer, you know, sometimes, because I was perusing your timeline. So let me ask you before we get going here, is Joe Burrow the greatest college quarterback ever? No doubt. No doubt. See, it's a rhetorical <laughs> question. Hey, the greatest college quarterback, and that team's probably the greatest that I think we'll see for a long, long time. You know what? I would agree with you on that. Uh, Joe Burrow's senior year was the deep ball was incredible. I mean, I I could go on and on, but I guess what it leads me into being from Arkansas, they're in Razorback country. I'm taking that you're an LSU fan. How 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 does that work? My dad was from North Louisiana. My uncle played for LSU, so I kind of grew up purple and gold. Oh really? Uh, your uncle was what? What did he play? He What's played a defensive end. It was back in the. Late 60s, early 70s. His name okay. was Bobby Flurry. Who was the coach back? The name sounds familiar. Who was the coach back then for them? I want to say it was Dietzel. Okay. So you guys are pure pure purple and gold, right? Through and through. Hey, it's uh, purple and gold and whoever's playing Alabama that week. I, I feel you. I know it's kind of kind of the way people think down that way, right? We're Kentucky fans, so we just take the wins when they come. Hey, so, y'all whooped us uh, pretty good. Was that two years ago now? Yeah, yeah, but they, that's before Brian Kelly came in there trying to turn things around a little bit and stuff. So he brought some structure know. to the team. Do you, Do you like Brian Kelly? I do. I do. Uh, like I said, he's very structured, and that's what that team needed. Well, you know, CC's asked you all the big horses, and I'm probably going to touch on them again too. But I just realized today that you trained one of the horses that I have quite a bit of interest in and he's not quite in the same caliber as Mr. Misunderstood and, and she dares the devil Yacht Rock. Do you own yeah, Yacht we, Rock? Yeah I oh, claimed Yacht Rock I think it was off of Norm Cassie and ran him back and got the win and he actually got claimed from me that race but uh, he was a cool little horse he was a little on the smaller side but uh, he was fast. Well you know I I'm a fan of the horse simply because of the name. I thought maybe I didn't know you claimed and I thought maybe you had the horse all along because I love I thought maybe you're a, a fan of that smooth AM gold from the seventies and early eighties like I am, but no, you just bought the damn thing, right? <laughs> you just bought him. Oh, I'm sorry. Well still it's a great name. I'm glad you got a win with him. Hey, he he got her us off the duck here at Oakland, so that was a, a much needed horse. You know, I'm gonna ask you here I'm I'm gonna touch back on two yards over here myself, but one thing that I find fascinating, and I don't know if we've already touched this, you're, you're only 32 years old, right? Is that, I is that am, right? I am. So, 32. you won the Oaks in 2020. So, by my rudimentary math skills, you won the Kentucky Oaks before you were 30, correct? Is that right? I just turned 30. I just, just turned, turned 30. 30 in July. If Did it had ever, been the normal year, I would have been 29, but no. Nope, uh, do you ever sit back and, and pinch yourself thinking, that you, like, obviously, just from the simple math standpoint, you haven't been in the game that long. No, you've I've already, been in like 12 years now. But and I've you've already achieved the, the one of the the biggest milestones. Do you ever, do you ever sit back and think about that? I do, I do. Uh, I've accomplished more than a lot of people have accomplished in probably 50, 60 years in this sport. And it's just a testament to the people I've got around me, Brad and, uh, Kevin Martin that works for Broberg and the other trainers that have helped me out along the way with some of these big horses and Clay Share, my bloodstock agent, the jockeys that ride for us and uh, Jorge Abrego that's uh, Brad's yeah. assistant here at Oakland. He's a, we call him a little general around here and he's as good as anybody out there. So the testament just really goes to them. I just sign the checks when the bills come every month and hopefully smile for the pictures every now and then. You know, and the flip side of that is not only did you achieve so much at such a young age, you've got a long time left to achieve a hell of a lot more, right? I mean, there's Breeders' Cups and Arctic Triumphs in your future, right? I hope so. My number one race I want to win is the Arkansas Derby. I tell everybody I'd trade a triple crown for an Arkansas Derby just because it's home. I, I can okay. see that. 
I told the photographers one time, I said, if you ever win the Derby, I said, you better have a drone because we're going to have to have like an aerial view of the winter circle to fit everybody <laughs> in it. I'm sure that's going to happen any day, um, any year now. You know, when you did win the Oaks, you won the Oaks that weird year in September when, you know, the, all the lunacy, COVID lunacy, ridiculous rules they had going on where it's okay to have 50,000 people there, but not 150,000. I could go on and on about that. I'll save that for another podcast. But um, was the fact that it was a smaller crowd there, did it take away from it at all, or you just didn't give a damn? Is hey, I won the Oaks. I don't care who's here. It was the Oaks, but at the same time, we didn't get to do the walkover. We really just didn't get to experience the roar of the crowd when she took right. the lead and was turning for home. And you missed that a little bit. But uh, other than that, like I said, it's the Oaks. Uh, they hand make the trophies that they give to the owners. So that took about 14 months to get because of all the shipping delays and getting the products. So that was a little awkward, but I had a bunch of friends that they hadn't missed a derby in decades. Uh, so they were over at Grant Forrester's house right across the street on yes. Central. <laughs> They're kind of partying it up and hopefully they could sneak in one way or another on on uh, Saturday. So I went over there after uh, the race and we all took a big group photo together and kind of celebrated there. Then they had all the protests scheduled for the next day. So we took off and got to Nashville. Uh, Smart move. Pretty and uh, pretty soon after that, but wanted to stop by and see my buddies and uh, get a picture with them just to commemorate the day. As I'm thinking about it now, Flo, Flo wrote She Dares the Devil, right? Was it Jeru? He did. Yeah, he did. So, I mean, I'm... I, I can't. I guess that's his only Oaks. Or, uh, no, he won with Monomoy Girl also. That's right. That's right. Because it probably kind of sucks a little bit for Flo, too, not that he wouldn't trade it for anything, but he didn't get to hear that roar from the crowd as he turned yeah. for home either. So he got shortchanged a little bit, too, I guess. But, you know, I mean, and the first one he was Very strict. I think we only got to have six or eight people in the whole partnership group. It was myself, uh, Chick Hodge group, and – uh, another partner of ours. We only essentially got two, two, and two, so uh, it wasn't even a big winter circle picture. Uh, just kind of subdued altogether. Nothing like arbitrary horseshit rules thrown together, whatever to to keep a party down, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And I was like, man, uh, I sucked my mask off for the wind picture. I said, I'm not getting the wind picture with a mask on for the biggest. That was gonna be my next ever. question. Yeah. You better not have had a mask on for that. Absolutely not. They made us put it back on, I guess, when NBC was uh, watching us hold up the trophy. But whenever we actually took the picture, I, well, I threw mine off. Good for you, brother. I'll save my feelings for another podcast. I'll inevitably do. But with all that said, I'm going to kick it to Brandon now before I start going on a, on a rampage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, Staten. Um Yeah, so tell us a little bit, like, how did you get to Brad? Like, how did you all meet and – I know Clicks. I actually I've seen him on the backside, uh, running all the <laughs> around around the barns and looking at horses and stuff. And uh, good guy. But how did you eventually end up with Brad and kind of starting with Brad? Yeah, the guy I was using at the time, uh, Kevin Martin. He's Carl Broberg's assistant now. He was with another trainer, and Kevin and that trainer parted ways. And Carl hired him to go to the fairgrounds instead of Oaklawn that year. And Kevin said, hey, there's this young guy I want you to meet. He said, I think he's the next big thing. That's who I want you to use. Hmm. And it was Brad. And I started with Brad when he had 10 or 12 cheap claimers. And we claimed we got an open claim slip here. Uh, went and claimed, I think, what may be the only kitten's joy that's ever ran on the dirt, <laughs> ran any good on the dirt. Uh, claimed her, uh, won our first race together. And uh, we've been together for 11 years now. And. We've never had a sideways word. We work really well together. He's the he's the captain of the ship, and we're just along for the ride, and that's how it works out so well together. Because there's a lot of owners out there that we want to run in this spot, or we want to do this, or we want this, and uh, I've learned that there's a reason we pay these guys. Right, right, man. That 11 years—that's incredible, man. Yeah, I remember uh, the first year we were together here at Oaklawn. Said he had maybe 10, 12 horses, and we were sharing a barn with Jinx Fires. 
Gosh, that goes way back. Well, I mean, now it's, it's, it's full, you know, full spec, you know, picture with all the things he's got going and what you guys have got racing. So, uh, you know, besides like how you started in the business, like where do you want to be like later on? Do you want to have a farm? Do you want to breed? Do you want to do other Not aspects? Really. Yeah. I've had a few broodmares here and there and just the time frame and all the expense that goes into to getting to the racing point and you never know how the baby's going to be born, if they're going to be crippled, if they're going to honestly be alive. And I really don't want to fool with that aspect. I love the action. I love the racing. And I'm just here to race. I want to be really active at Oaklawn, have some horses this summer or every summer at Del Mar, and uh, have some really good stakes horses and allowance horses with Brad. But other than that, I'm content just – Doing what I'm doing right now, just uh, winning races and trying to chase a derby. Yeah, I hear that, man. I, I feel like that that whole part of the the aspect of the business takes a ton of time, ton of patience, ton of capital. And if, if the niche is to buy yearlings and two year olds and and get them to the race, I mean that's that's the best. And then to see them go off is uh, to be you know sires or. A nice mm-hmm. broodmare. I mean, that's that's incredible. I've seen one go to the sale, and I know the feeling. It feels great when a when a filly sells for a lot more than what you paid for them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, like a, she dares the devil. That was pretty much life changing. Uh, yeah, for, for that price, and she sells for what she did. That that gives you a lot more to play with here. Yeah, I mean, did you, I would think you cry a little bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're just kind of numb and kind of in shock. The the first time we bought back in, Mandy asked us to stay in, and we didn't know what she would go to. Then this past sale, we had a number in mind that we wanted, and it kind of leveled out quite a bit before that. And like, oh mercy, uh, we're gonna lose quite a bit here. Then then I think one of the Japanese buyers started bidding on her and Mandy stayed in kind of fighting back and forth. And we got back to what she sold for the year before. And that was just mind blowing because we didn't think we would be at that number, but we would hope we'd be in the ballpark. Yeah. Well, I tell you, there's, we got to make a confession on this podcast and this may shock you. The three of us, I think I'm still right. Maybe Craig's been. But I've never, I've never been to Oakland. I haven't either. I have yeah, not. I, I went last last uh, spring. That's right. That's right. Craig, went. but you got to tell us and the audience why we should come to Oakland to see some of the racing. I don't know what's there. All I know is it's a great casino looking place. The hotel's awesome, and uh, you know, good good dirt racing. Yeah, uh, Hot Springs lives and breathes racing this time of year. Uh, every restaurant you go to is full. There's always a jockey or a trainer and owner there. and People are coming by and shaking your hands and, hey, thanks for, for racing here or wanting pictures and stuff. So, first of all, just how this town encompasses racing. But Oaklawn, you get some of the best horses that have ever been come through here. You look at Smarty Jones. You look at American Pharaoh, Curlin. So any given day you're here at the races, you may see the next superstar. Is the is the back backside? You know how how does that whole system work back there compared to like Churchill Downs? Because we're a Kentucky podcast. <laughs> you know, I've never and we we love Kentucky racing, obviously. But is it is it comparable to a Churchill, or does it feel like a Keeneland, or does it? I mean, hell, I've never even been to Kentucky Downs back. Well, there is no backside there, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I would say it's in between Churchill and I hate to say it with the spectrum because you've got the big outfits, you've got the Asmussen's, the Brad Cox's, the, uh, those kind of operations. Then you've got essentially people that are shipping in from the farm every day that have state breads. So you've got a mix of everything here. Whereas Churchill, it seems like it's more of the, the higher up guys and they put some of the smaller strings at the spectrum. We're here. Everybody's on the track at the same time. Everybody's uh, having to get along. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at some point, I promise I'm going to make it out there. I'll call your buddy Clay because he's everywhere all the time. I, I couldn't <laughs> even tell you he lives. I think he lives in Louisville, but I don't know. 
He lives in Lexington, but no, in the last two weeks, I think he's been to Hot Springs, then he went to the fairgrounds, and I think he's got a trip to Ocala for the sale coming up. So, (laughs) take a break, uh, (laughs) relax and rest for a day or two. When you're in the horse game, I mean, it's all, it's all these horse names and, and mares and sires. I mean, I think the time we, we, we talked in the backside, he was just rattling off all kinds of stuff. And I was like, man, it's, it's 630 in the morning. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> he loves the, the breeding aspect and the, uh, the sale aspect of it. Well, I'll turn it back to Craig to maybe some closing questions. State, what's the name of the, uh, the long race, the mile and three quarter race at the end of the meet? The trails in? The trails in, yep. Yeah, I know that some of the other outfits like to, to target that race, like 10 strike racing. Is yeah. that just on your radar? Yeah, I thought I had a horse last year. Well, I guess uh, two years ago that could have won it, and it just didn't work out. Uh, he was over-raced a little bit because of the timing of the races, the, the starter races here. They had them about two to three weeks apart, and to ask him to go that long uh, after about a two-week layoff is is tough. But I'd love to win that one, but uh, you just sometimes have to look into that one. Okay, I was going to say, is there a horse in your barn that that's suited for that, or is this something maybe you could actively look look try to claim a horse to for that spot? You have to look for a horse because the the conditions for that is they have to have started for ten thousand or less in the last year and a half. Yeah. So you just have to get lucky because some people, they'll run those starter races and they know they've got one in their back pocket specifically for that race. And they may run fifth or sixth every starter until you get them in that spot and they they can just grind it out. Yeah. Churchill used to run a, a, a series of starter races back in the good old days. Like the I, ten Breck. It was the ten yeah, Breck. Ten Breck Championship is in, the, I think, you know, up, up until the 90s, they, they started – Mile and eighth, and work their way up to maybe. Yeah, that's mile. how it was uh, here. Yeah. Two years ago, when we had River Echo, but there were not enough horses entering those starter races, so yeah. <laughs> they didn't get used. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember that Churchill used to run a mile and three quarter race at the end of the meet, and I, I don't know Ellis had run two mile races. Well, they call it the twice around to end the meet, and uh, it, was yep. two, it was two tri- two laps around the the track at Ellis. Those those were fun races. I mm-hmm. I hate that the, there's not enough horses to fill those races nowadays, but. Uh, yeah, I've been cool uh, race because they lead all the horses out and parade them, and then they make the horses stand there with their pony horse, and they play the old anxiety uh, kind yeah. of to send off the the race meeting. It gives yeah. you it gives you chills when you're in the grandstands. It's pretty cool. That's that that's the only time you see something like that. They just they 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 line the horses up while the while the song's being played, and it's 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 pretty neat. It's the only track I know of does something like that. That's, that's cool. That's, yeah. So yeah, last spring I did. I went to to Hot Springs. Only got to stay there two days. Uh, we'd gone to Memphis first and drove down. And uh, what do you think about those bathhouses on the on the main drag there in Hot Springs? That, <laughs> They're that's a good cool. tourist attraction. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, my uh, my girlfriend had to uh, had to make me drop ninety dollars so she could take a bath there. <laughs> They've turned a couple of them into breweries and uh, bed and breakfast deals and. Uh, they're marking them a little bit more now than, than just bass, but no, that's a, they charge a bunch for it. My grandparents actually went to Hot Springs a long time, like in the fifties and sixties, because they, they want uh, something of you know a rejuvenation kind of deal. It's like the the baseball players that would all yeah, like Babe Ruth and all the old school baseball players would come. They'd have spring training here in Hot Springs just because of the bass. Really? Well, they'd go down there and get hammered, right, during the day, and then they they re- refresh in those bathhouses, and then it, they thought it, it rejuvenated them to to, mm-hmm. to keep them in top form, right? Yep, yep. Uh, they actually just unveiled, I guess, about two weeks ago now, a uh, bronze statue of Babe Ruth downtown. That's cool. Yeah. So yeah, anybody wanting to go to Hot Springs, I yeah, you got to go downtown because that's pretty. That's a pretty neat. I went to that hotel. That hotel is really cool too. Yeah, the Arlington. It's a lot of history downtown. Uh, Al Capone, he would uh, spend some of his winters here, get out of New York and Chicago and hang out down here. It was kind of a, a gangster hideout where they had a, a mutual respect for each other and no fighting went on with here. This was their vacation spot, essentially. Yeah, no yeah, no doubt about that. Well, all right. Well, Staten, uh, we, we appreciate your time. 
Uh, hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, enjoyed this conversation with you. Good luck with uh, your your two year olds coming or going forward, and, and your, your stable and and Interstate Daydream. Hopefully, she'll come back uh, as good as ever. And uh, uh, guys, before we before we let State and go, anybody got anything to, to they want to add to the conversation? No, you coming to Churchill at all? Will you be at Churchill this meet? Oh yeah, right? yeah. I'll be uh whenever we run something up there. I'll try to make it up, especially if it's a stakes race. I'll for sure be there. Awesome. That is awesome. We'd love to meet you, Staten. What do you think? Yeah, if that's the case, we'll buy you a bourbon or a beer or maybe water, whatever you like. Hey, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm look forward to it. Or if you, you can win it. a beer, you can buy us one. <laughs> hey, we'll do that. Let's hope that's the case. Yeah, we know what these purses in Kentucky are worth, just like in Arkansas. You make a little cash. You can make a lot of cash uh, here, in, here in Kentucky. You got that right. The whole game has changed the last few years. Yeah, it's like the last two, like after I retired, my best one. <laughs> Figures. Yep. All right, guys. All right, we'll let you go. And, uh, like hey, no problem. Hey, uh, thanks for having me on. All right. All right, everybody. This is Staten Flurry of Flurry Racing Stables. All right. That was the owner of Flurry Racing Stables, Staten Flurry. I had totally forgotten, dude, that he had won the Kentucky Oaks up up until about two hours before we started working on his podcast. I'm like, and you're the one that did the most research and stuff. It's pretty funny. Uh, I mean, I knew that, right? Um, we didn't even mention Kia Life, did we? I mean, he's got so many good horses. Plus, yeah. he's obviously he's a great guy. Um, we talked a lot on after as a we went off the air, but he's good for the game because he not only has the top quality horses, he. He claims a lot. He puts them, enters them in the boxes and stuff. I mean, he's a racetrack's best friend. He enjoys it. Sound like a great guy to be around. I think we're probably going to hang out with him maybe. Uh, spoiler alert, State, you're going to have to hang around when you come to Kentucky. And, uh, yeah, wish him the best. He's got uh, – uh, who's he got going in the Apple Blossom or the Azari? Which one was it? Well, that's uh, – yeah, Interstate Daydream is Interstate the one Daydream. hoping to bring back. Yeah, yeah. Who won the Black Eyed Susan, you know, the, uh, the Pimlico version of the Oaks last year. So – God knows his three-year-old fillies, doesn't he? Absolutely. So, and, you know, something he brought up, I, again, I guess I'm just too busy with life, apparently. But, uh, yeah, the, the Rebel Stakes is this Saturday, million-dollar Rebel Stakes, which I'm totally used to the Rebel being in late March with Arkansas Derby three weeks before the Derby, the Kentucky Derby. But now the Rebel's in February. The Arkansas Derby is five weeks prior to mm-hmm. the Kentucky Derby, but the Rebel Stakes, I'm looking at this overnight, 11 horses drawn, and of course, uh, I'm excited because uh, my uh, future wager, Verifying, is has drawn the rail for Brad Cox and uh, and and the, uh, looks like John Magnier and, and a lot of those guys are involved on this, Tabor and Derek Smith, they're all involved in Verifying, but this uh, is a great field, you got Red Route 1, Gun pilots in there, giant mischief. I mean, it's yeah, confidence game. It's a good race. Uh, Paulo Lobos shipping down event detail run. Then then prior to that, you got the Honeybee, which is a prep for the Oaks, Kentucky Oaks, uh, grade three, three hundred thousand dollars. You got a, a, a good feel for that. So Oakland's got a tremendous card on Saturday. Looking forward to that. Yeah, and as we understand, a little birdie told us we're not going to say the little birdie is, but the little birdie told us recently, make what you will it. Someone's pretty high on verifying. Well, a certain trainer's pretty high on verifying. Yeah. So yeah, we're not so. going to mention who just told us that, but you you put two and two together. Yeah, I got thirty something to one on him. Oh only, really? I've only got ten dollars. So I see ten dollars at thirty to one. My math skills. So that's like six grand, right? Ah, uh, six million. Oh shit. Okay. I'm, I'll let calculator's broken. Yeah, something like that. But anyway, uh, before we go. I was doing a little reading on Penny Ann Early. Does that name ring a bell? It did not until you mentioned to me slightly before we went on air, but it is a fascinating story. Penny Ann Early was, uh, as Wikipedia describes, an American athlete. She achieved two notable firsts in her lifetime as she was the first female jockey to be licensed to ride a paramutual horse race. And she's also the first woman to ever play in a pro men's basketball league. Now, how does that work? I know, right? So Penny Ann Early was scheduled to make her debut at Churchill Downs back, I think it was 19, I don't have the date, but it's late. You told me 68, 68. It's 1968. She was was scheduled to 
to make her debut here. And I think she was been the first female rider to ride a race in, in America. But it was a big deal back then. And a lot of the men didn't want didn't want to ride with females. Uh, you know, you can imagine how it was. But uh, so on the day of the, the race that she was supposed to ride, all the, the male jockeys boycotted. So they prevented her from, you know, being from hitting that milestone. As it turned out, uh, another female jockey actually beat her to it. Bar, uh, Barbara Rubin, if, mm-hmm. if my memory serves me correct, was actually the first female jockey to ride in, in a horse race. But uh, her career was basically short-lived. She only rode one one year, and she only won one race. And that was a, a race uh, restricted to female jockeys. Uh, I think that was at Suffolk Downs in, in Massachusetts. But uh, she went on to play for the Kentucky Colonels of the ABA, which is pretty interesting. At five she, foot two, five foot three. She was five foot three, weighed about 112 pounds, and uh, yeah, wound up playing uh, maybe a few games for the uh, for the Kentucky Colonels. She never did score, but I think she did record an assist in one of those games. Oh, she did because the people that don't know that Kentucky Colonels is an ABA team here in Kentucky. You think Daniels will play for him? I believe Artis Gilmore played for him. You know, they were pretty good. So, yeah. I, and, you know, it's funny because I'm a lifelong Louisvillian. I think you and I both know a considerable amount of uh, history of Churchill Downs and other things. I did not know that story about Penny Ann Early. You would have thought that made, had more news that, that the male jockeys boycott you. Th- but I had not heard that story you told me. Yeah, she played one game for the Colonels, one game. And, and didn't. I don't think she recorded a stat is what I'm looking at here on Wikipedia. But yeah, uh, the reason I got, I was just reading about the, uh, the 1970 Kentucky Derby. It was uh, uh dust commander's year. And uh, Diane Crump was the first female to ride in a Kentucky Derby. That was, that was part of the article that uh, Jim Bolas had written this a long time ago. And, and then the, um, he had made a, a reference to Penny Ann early was, was attempting to become the first female to ride at Churchill. And I think maybe, Crump beat her to it, possibly. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure, but uh, it would be great to have Miss Early on the podcast. That's the kind of person we like to have, but unfortunately, doing the quick match, she might be 80 years old, and uh, who knows if she's even still with us. But you know, we got a time machine. 79 years old. 79 years old, but yeah, if you're listening, Miss Early, and you know how to work this Skype thing or some of the, this newfangled internet stuff, give us a holler. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, Brandon has left us again. He's abandoned us. A brand a Brandon us. <laughs> a Brandon. We need you to start using that. That's good. Brandon us, yeah. So uh, anyway, that's uh yeah, we'll uh we'll we'll pick him up on the flip side, I guess. But uh I have nothing else to declare. Neither do I. All right, so let's uh let's call this a night on behalf of a Brandon Jaggers and Alan Schneider and of course our guest, Staten Flurry of Hot Springs, Arkansas. This is CC Broadus signing off and reminding you that gambling money ain't got no home.